Well, welcome back to the Care Team Podcast. This is uh, episode 87, and our go-to verse is Romans 12.2. Today, we are talking about codependency and what that's like and, and how we can, uh, what, well, what that is exactly, and uh, how can we navigate through that season. But before we get started, uh, I just want to introduce our special guest, Miles Carmony. He's uh, our uh, uh, he's our IT what, what associate is, associate yeah. IT associate or guru or guru yeah yeah I'll take that <laughs> so so Miles uh, uh, as we get started with our soft start I'm, I'm going to open you up uh, what are your summer plans for 2022 uh, definitely I know we're all in agreement on this to try and not melt it just suddenly <laughs> burst upon the scene here um, and I'm not really like a shorts guy yeah I like to wear. Normal pants, yeah. but normal pants. <laughs> normal, the long yeah. pants, as it were. Yeah. Well, whatever. Full uh, length. <laughs> full length. Yes. <laughs> Trousers. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll ha- I might have to revise that starting now. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Swim a little more. Yep. Summer plans. A big thing in the Wacker House is always badminton. We oh. have epic badminton tournaments at my house. There's no rules, no skill, but we have lots of fun. So. Ready to get the badminton in. Could you invite Jessica? She would be forever grateful. She loves badminton. Wait, but is she going to be like good and yes, make yes. us stick to the rules and everything? Y- yes. Hmm, I'll think <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, for Emery's, uh, it's going to be mainly just a staycation. We're going to do a, a lot of things local. Um, you know, I'm taking off a couple weeks here uh, in, a, in a few days, and I'm uh, really looking forward to that. But we're just going to be staying local. Now, there's a uh, there's a local. Um, Theme park in Indiana, about an hour away. Holiday World. We're gonna go there a few times, yep. uh, and then other than that, just try to camp out. Yeah, sounds like a ditto for us as well. Um, we're gonna actually do Holiday World, not Father's Day weekend, but the following weekend. Oh, okay. And then uh, I think the next day we're driving to Lexington to see. Um, I'm gonna forget their dude. Perfect. Yeah. Oh, Zeke, Zeke doesn't know yet. He's gonna yeah. flip out. But yeah, that's just a couple little things like that, and then we have a family vacation coming up in October. So awesome. yeah, yeah, and uh, easy going staycation summer. Sweet, love it, love it. Well, as we uh, as we dive in, um, you know, here at uh, at Northside, our our leadership and, uh, and and our care team, we uh, we want we want to just say that we are here to serve, and it's our pleasure to serve. And uh, one of the ways that we serve is with uh, Celebrate Recovery, and within Celebrate Recovery. Uh, you know, there's, it's, it's for anyone who has a hurt habit or hang up, but one of the common hangups we see, uh, is codependency. And so Tom, uh, I know that, uh, that you oversee our, uh, sober recovery and I just want to kind of let you kick us off as far as like what codependency is and yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate that. And we were talking about it as we often do, just kind of discussing, uh, what we're going to say and the rhythm of the, of what we're going to do. And codependency has, um, become kind of a, a, a pop psychology word. Um, You hear it a lot. You might even hear it in a sitcom. People use it casually in conversation. But the problem is the definition has really changed over time. And so I want to just kind of give some clarity to what it really means. And if you take its parts, co means with and dependent, it means you're dependent with somebody on something. We, We often hear it defined as two people being dependent on each other, and that's not exactly accurate. We can call that enmeshment. We can call that being overly dependent or attached to somebody. Uh, but that's not really codependency. Codependency means there's an issue. Um, and so in regards to something like Celebrate Recovery, we might talk about alcoholism. And so if a spouse uh, has a problem with alcohol, is an alcoholic, 
their behaviors are going to revolve around that substance. But we could we could put anger in there. We could put gambling in there. We could put a number of things. And if if they're addicted, then their behaviors, their thoughts, all their life is going to revolve around this thing. Well, if I'm married to you, and I as through marriage and through the the mystery of marriage, we become one, and you're dependent on this thing, and your behaviors revolve around that, my behaviors in some regard are going to revolve around you and what you're doing. Ergo, my behaviors revolve around that thing too. So we're codependent on whatever that issue is. Um, and this is really illustrated in the early 12-step program. The, the original 12-step program is Alcoholics Anonymous. The group that quickly sprang out of that was Al-Anon, which is for the spouses of the alcoholic. And their 12 steps read identical. The alcoholic, in Alcoholics Anonymous first step says, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Their spouse's first step reads, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable, thus illustrating this concept that we are together dependent on this issue or this thing. So hopefully that helps people because I think, again, in modern psychology and modern just television society, everybody assumes we're just talking about a sick relationship. And that's not exactly, I mean, there are those elements in it, don't get me wrong, but that's not entirely what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I, I know, I know we briefly talked about celebrate recovery. Can you, uh, for listeners who aren't familiar with celebrate recovery, uh, can you tell us about like when they meet, um, and some of the, absolutely uh, some of the ways that people can dive in, like if they came first time, what can they expect? Yeah. Thank you, Tommy. That's great. Uh, celebrate recovery meets every Monday night here at Northside, um, in what we call our West auditorium. That's kind of the annexed building that is attached by a breezeway. Um, and it says very big in the windows, West Auditorium. Uh, come in our sort of southern entrance and come down that way. You can't miss it. The only time we're not here is literally when the building is closed. Um, and, you know, either it's for a holiday or there's another special event or something. But otherwise, we meet every Monday. It's, it's approximately 630 to 8. Real quick, it's um, divided up into two sections. You're going to have either a, a testimony or a teaching followed by a discussion group. And your discussion group is more what you're going to picture as a traditional 12-step group, where you are sitting with other people who have the same struggle you do, and you're sharing your experience, strength, and hope with each other to help encourage one another. Mm -hmm. um, it's a couple things about Celebrate Recovery that I think is really healthy. Uh, we do gender-specific groups. Uh, so you can know if you're a woman and you're struggling, say, with codependency, that you're going to be with other codependent women uh, and, and vice versa. If you're a man struggling, you're going to be with other men. But you can attend with your spouse, with your significant other. Uh, we have free child care. Uh, so don't let any of that be a deterrent. You can get on MyNorthSide.com, go to our care page. There's a place to register. Um, we like to know ahead of time how many kiddos we're going to have so we can have uh, coverage for that. But really, it, it is a Christ-centered 12-step program. Um, very quickly, the 12 steps came directly from Scripture. Originally, six steps became 12. They were pulled out of Scripture. So we often look at Celebrate Recovery as sort of bringing everything home, that this was originally uh, a Christian thing, and we've brought it back to where it belongs. I love it. Love it. You know, and, and I, I want to, uh, I got a question for Lori too. You know, Lori, I, I know you do a lot of things behind the scenes uh, to help ensure Celebrate Recovery is successful. And I, I know that uh, we're routinely seeing new people and, 
and we and we have you know we have a lot of people who come back. You know, they've they've been coming back for years and years. Um, what would you say to somebody if they said, you know, hey, I I want to get connected, but I'm I'm not sure if this is a good fit for me. Like, what you know, how, how can I get connected, and and uh, is this a safe place? Mm, gosh, um, I can't think of a single person I know that wouldn't benefit from Celebrate Recovery in some way. Um, I'm I'm not officially a part of it. Not not that I couldn't be, but um, mm-hmm. at, at, I'm there most weeks, and I sit in for the teachings and the testimonies. And I learn something every week. Um, and as far as, you know, fitting in, is it for me? Am I going to be comfortable? The group of people at Celebrate Recovery, the, the leaders and just the people that attend on a regular basis are the most welcoming, down-to-earth people you'll ever meet. I mean, you won't walk in the door for more than five seconds and not not know where to go or not be greeted or not, you know. For me, as an introvert, I would go for the first time and I would be comfortable. Awesome. If you've ever thought about it, you should come. I love it. I love it. So is so we're talking about, you know, codependency. We've talked about celebrate recovery. And again, you know, I, I know Tom, you've talked about it as well in the past when it comes to any type of addiction, that even places like NA and AA that that th- those are very, you know, successful and we don't want to down them at all. That's right. Uh, because of their effectiveness. Um, but as far as like when we, when we start turning the, the the corner just a little bit because we're talking about the problem, um, you know what are some uh, some common uh, some common codependency situations? Yeah, that's really good. So we we touched a little bit on on addiction itself. I think understanding codependency can often come even from a good place, and I want to say that because uh, I was just recently meeting with a couple, and I think one of the spouses was very resentful about the idea that they might need some help as well as the person that that had the struggle with alcohol. And I explained, you might have shown up to this relationship perfectly well, but by proximity to this person over amount of time, you've become codependent, and, and, and therefore, unfortunately, you're sick too. In other words, you need help as well. doesn't make you bad. It just is what it is. So a lot of times codependency comes out of a very loving, um, good place where someone is just trying to do their best to figure out how do I help this person? How do I encourage this person? What do I do? And before you know it, you're kind of more worried about them than they're worried about themselves. And I think if, if I could sum it up in one way, that's really what codependency is, is this, this idea that I've become wrapped up in helping this other person to the point that it's almost become my identity. Mm-hmm. And we've talked a lot. Um, I know, Tommy, you and I talk a lot about this outside of the podcast, but we've talked about it on the podcast that if our identity isn't firmly in Christ, if it's in what we do for a living or in being married to this person, or in this case, it's in trying to help this person get well, we're already lost because we're not starting from a, a base of uh, security in Christ and uh, his power and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Instead, we're kind of off on our own, if you will. And so I think the, the sickness of codependency is very subtle. Um, and it can come on over time, uh, and you, it doesn't mean you were born that way or you even had that tendency before, but by being in that situation, that relationship, you became sick. And so the solution, at least the start of the solution, is to get around other people who understand this and begin to sort of take back your identity. Um, even secular programs work a lot on differentiating your identity from helping this person that, that yes, 
yes, you might be combined in marriage, but even in marriage, they're going to stand in front of the, the throne and, and, and have to account for their life, and you won't be doing that as a couple. Mm-hmm. And so there is a sense of a destiny that we have to meet that's also separate from one another. And just seeing that I, I've got to separate myself from this person and their issue and, and not find my in identity in that, but my identity in Christ. And so, again... I think Celebrate Recovery does a better job of that because we can talk about openly and 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 uh, um, passionately about our relationship with Christ. But even in a secular program, they understand that finding your identity again. Well, and I think you were saying one time before, and I can't remember now, but you know, oftentimes people will say things like, "I'm an addict," you know, but I'm also a Christian. Uh, and I, I can't remember who said this, or maybe it was you, but it was it was helping them to, to even change some of their language, saying, look, you know, I'm a Christ follower, but I struggle with addiction. Yeah, that's and, good. And just yeah. finding that. Uh, you know, it, the other thing uh, that I, while I was prepping for this, because addictions are not my specialty, uh, you know, was just pulling up, you know, some information about, you know, some some best practices, some biblical practices, and and enabling uh, was was one of the things that, that they recommended to avoid. Um how, how do you tackle that, Tom, when, when someone, when you can clearly see that somebody is enabling someone, uh, what, what type of advice do you give them? Yeah. <laughs> so this is one of those things where it's much easier said than done. And, and I think we all enable. I can remember one of my first jobs in college, I had a mentor and I had coworkers who were so lazy and wouldn't do anything. And I knew the boss was coming. So I would quickly like jump in and do the dishes and clean up. And then I'd just get so frustrated remember calling my mentor and saying that. And he said, well, you're teaching them how to treat you. He said, you're enabling their behavior because they know if they stand back long enough and watch, you're going to do it. And I said, but if I don't do it, we're all going to get in trouble. And he said, you may have to be willing to put up with that so that they'll learn to do their part. And so the difficulty in, in counseling anybody through enabling, and and I, I'm not trying to be facetious at all, but the it's stop it. Like, you literally have to pull yourself out of the situation. If, if uh, you're codependent of your alcoholic spouse and you hold their hair back while they're vomiting, maybe their hair needs to fall in their vomit. And, and I'm not trying to be overly crass. I'm trying to make a point that that's hard. I don't want to see my loved one suffer. I don't want to see my loved one sick. I don't, I'm doing this, I, I, you know, again, I'll go back on what I said. It came from a good place. But if you're going to be well and they're going to be well, then you literally have to pull yourself out of that situation. And that may be having an accountability partner. That may be that you have to train yourself that every time you have the tendency to want to help, you go somewhere and you pray. It, it may be you get on the phone immediately at that moment or even leave that situation. And, you know, we've got Miles here, and uh, he is a pretty face, but we didn't bring him in just for that reason. Um, <laughs> yeah. weigh, weigh in on this. I mean, you know, all of us are students of life. You're a pastor. You're around here. Kind of weigh in on, on this. Yeah, so it kind of sounds like what you're talking about is um, uh, natural consequences and, and kind of that instinct to want to wanna shield someone from that if the consequences are pretty severe or, or even just uncomfortable, and if you've developed that as a habit. Um, my wife, her undergraduate, is in uh, child development, and so we kind of talk about natural and logical consequences. And so as much as you, you can, you want to let your kids experience the natural consequences if it's not going to bring them harm. Right. And then if it is, you can come up with an alternative that would be a logical consequence so they can still tie 
that together, but they're not experiencing that harm. But as they grow older, um, you you tend to want to really shift that as much as possible uh, or reasonable to that natural consequence uh, kind of thing. And so I think that's kind of the same thing of what you're talking about um, is relearning how to do that, especially if the other person themselves is an adult that you're you're codependent with. Yeah, o- often you find that what was true or good for us when we were kids, we either need to learn it again, mm-hmm. or maybe some people never learn that and and need to be helped in in that way. Lori, you looked like you had a thought there. <laughs> well, I had a lot of thoughts. Um, first of all, Tom has helped me understand what codependency is the last couple of years. I never really understood the meaning of it until I started working with Tom and you know, starting to realize some of my own codependency tendencies. And, you know, it, it's still, you know, a work in progress, but it took me a long time. Like what Tom just said a minute ago, if, you know, if you care about something more than somebody else does, why, why are they going to put in work into fixing it? Because you're going to take care of everything. And trying to, you know, finally step back and let them suffer their own consequences. And sometimes that just feels mean and cruel, but, but I'm realizing that um, if I have a person who's involved in destructive behavior and I, you know, I finally realize that I can't love them enough to fix it, that if I step back and, you know, I fortify myself with prayer and with, you know, just processing things and taking care of myself and, 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 and whatever things I need to do, that when they're actually ready to get help with their issue, I, I can put myself in 100%, and then it's worthwhile. It's not just spinning my wheels, and I can, um, you know, I actually be of help. But it's, it's hard. It's because it just it feels mean to not be <laughs> codependent sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know? That's yeah. good. I, you know, I remember, too, uh, it was about a, I guess about a year, year and a half ago, uh, you and I were talking about uh, – this concept of tough love. And, uh, and I, I love how you mentioned, uh, you, you rephrased it. You, you used the words, uh, healthy boundaries instead. <laughs> um, can you unpack that? You know, like, uh, you know, what, wh- what that means as far as like healthy boundaries, I know it kind of, yeah. it, it kind of feeds into that, uh, enabling, um, you know, conversation. Sure. Well. Sure. No, it's no, thank you. Um, yeah. And it's, it's important to me because I heard that concept, you know, those of, have don't know my background. I was a counselor for years and specifically in addictions, working in outpatient residential. Um, and I heard this concept over and over again of tough love, tough love, tough love. And it really wasn't until I got into seminary and started into my role as a pastor that I recognized that as we read and look at Jesus and the way he modeled love for us in every situation, it was slightly different. He was literally meeting the situation and I don't believe Jesus would have said, well, over here I'm doing tough love, and over here I'm doing soft love, and here's medium, firm. You know, it was, I'm just being loving to where that person needs me to be, and I'm modeling and helping them with their boundaries. And, and boundaries really are about where you start and stop and where I start and stop. And when we get sick is when we cross over each other's boundaries or don't have any at all. And therefore, we get what we call this toxic enmeshment where I don't have an identity of my own. I don't have, um, I, I, I don't, I don't pay attention to my likes and dislikes anymore. I don't, it's all about you and all about, you know, and that's where we get into people pleasing because how does that relate to codependency? 
well, it's it's a slippery slope, right? And people pleasing is really what I tell people is actually self pleasing at the end of the day because by helping you, I feel better about me. Mm-hmm. So my identity becomes in the helping itself. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of Mary and Martha and sitting at Jesus' feet. There's nothing wrong with helping, but there's a point at which, again, our identity is to be in Christ and soaking up everything Christ has for us. And so we could we could do a whole other podcast, and maybe we should at some point, about the concept of being a human being and not a human doing and not getting our identity out of the things that we do. But all of this is related together. And, and Tommy, you said very well that we really are talking about healthy boundaries. And I'm just going to keep coming back over and over like a broken record to that starts with our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because if I truly believe that what makes me me is that the Lord thought I was not only good enough to be here, but good enough to die for and save, then what other people think about me, what I do for a living, all of that pales in comparison to that. And I'm coming then from a healthy place where I can build boundaries based on that identity. Yeah, yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, I think about, uh, you know, Genesis 1, uh, 26, and I'm reading from the ESV. It says, then God, say, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And so, and that, that's the first half of that verse. But, you know, whether, whether you're struggling with codependency or if you, if you have a family member or friend who's struggling with codependency, you know, each and every person in this world uh, is made in the image of a perfect, holy, triune God. And so as we, as we love people, uh, I, I love that you mentioned that because we, we need to love people with that kind of a lens. Um, I know we're, we're getting ready to uh, wrap up on time, uh, but uh, Miles, I just want to give you the last, uh, last word. Uh, one thing I was thinking about from an outsider perspective, because I know you're, you're not in care, uh, but you support us. But he does care. But he does care, yeah. <laughs> I care. But uh, Miles has done so much for care ministry over the years. I uh, can't even begin to wrap that up in, in even a few minutes. Uh, Miles is one of the implemental peop- or instrumental people in helping us stand up this podcast, and so we are very grateful. Uh, but so, Miles, on the outside looking in, um, what is your perspective? You know, like what, what are some things maybe we need to consider when we're talking to people about s- Celebrate Recovery you know, when, uh, whether we're talking about addiction or, or codependency, what are, what are some ways that we can, that maybe we, we can approach it differently? Um, I really love analogies whenever I'm trying to communicate something to yeah. people. So I know one of the big ones that we talk about a lot is the whole thing. Like when you're on an airplane and they talk about, you know, if there's a depressurization, the mask comes down, you always put the mask on yourself first, get yourself in a secure, healthy situation. And that's when you can actually begin to help someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same thing could be true for codependency. It's like you, you spend so much time trying to, f- quote, unquote, fix the other person, and in the meanwhile, they're kind of dragging you more and more deeper into their sickness. Um, th- another analogy, if this works better for you, is um, if someone's in a drowning situation, um, you know, you're not supposed to go out there and swim to them because they'll pull you down. Mm-hmm. You have a you know, the life ring or something that you can throw out to them. And you always start from a very secure position um, and have that rope on there so that you can pull them in if they're able to grab a hold of it kind of a thing, you know. Um, different analogies like that I really like um, to just kind of give people that word picture to help them, you know, get over that hurdle if they're struggling with understanding where they're at in that situation. Um, similarly with the boundaries kind of thing, um, there's – 
so many areas where we have physical boundaries that we can point to, you know, um, the division between you and your neighbor's property. Um, some, not everybody has a fence on in their house, but you do have the walls of your house and you don't leave all your doors and windows unlocked so that anybody can come in at any time. You have some kind of limit to that. And there's a healthy version of that. And there's an unhealthy version of that where you're trying to figure out, okay, how much do I let other people in and mm-hmm. how much do I protect that? Um, and so that can be a good, good way to start getting into that conversation as well. That's good. So I wanted to give a final plug to CR and Lori really, I appreciate so much what she said about it really is for anyone. Um, and I would all, and then I would sort of add in a strange way. It's not for everyone. And why do I say that? Well, I don't know anybody that doesn't have a hurt habit or hang up Amen. or all three. At the same time, we we call it recovery, and, and we could go again to that idea of recovering our identity in Christ, recovering who he meant us to be. What are, what are we recovering? Um, and what I want to say to people is that, that if everybody that could use Celebrate Recovery or needed it came, we would probably have to meet in our auditorium. But we don't. We meet in our smaller building. We have plenty of room left in there um, because it's really for people that desire it. Um, I was listening to a pastor today preaching online and talking about desire in and of itself isn't bad. It's what we desire. And so I just want to say if you're struggling with a hurt, a past, a present, doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's on your mind. It's bothering you. It's affecting your relationships. You have a habit. Anything from biting your nails to lying to uh, driving too fast, whatever it is, and again, it's affecting your life and it's getting in the way, or you have an addiction, come be a part of this. If you desire to have your life be different, you'll find life change at Celebrate Recovery. So please come be a part of it. I love it. Uh, on that note, Tom, do you mind praying us? Or actually, I, I think I asked Miles initially. Yeah. Do you mind yeah. praying us out? He really yeah, wants to it. as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I actually will. Um, dear Lord, we come before you, and we just uh, try, are here to open our hearts to you, um, to let us be filled with your spirit. Um, and we ask that these words um, uh, to fill our hearts and minds and uh, open us up to the truth that you really have for us Um that we can uh, overcome the deception, whether it's self-deception or or something external that's got us uh, tied to um, the the things that are holding us back from fully embracing you and um, and your Son. And so we just ask uh, your Holy Spirit to come to everyone who's hearing this uh, and to uh, bring that peace and encouragement to them. Uh, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, you can catch us every other Thursday morning at 7 a.m. on Facebook, Amazon, Apple, YouTube, or Spotify. You can also go to mynorsa.com slash care for additional resources. Love you guys, and we'll catch you next time.